Well, you said it, Chewy. Where did you dig up that old fossil? It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about... It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny, uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great place, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over the dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's, a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention of it. And welcome back to Generation Skywalker's Those Old Fossils, Episode 18, Princess Leia Organa, Part 1. Now I say Part 1 because we've got so much amazing content tonight, we might need to break it into two parts, but we'll make that decision later on. This could be Part 1. I'm surprised you've had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. And who am I joined with tonight? I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Stu again. Good evening, Stu Skinner. How are you doing? He's my brother. Good evening, mate. Good evening. Two parts. You could say like it's a couple of layers. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. Very good. And also making the team tonight, the trifecta. Got Craig. How are you doing, Craig Spivey? I'm doing very good. How is everybody? Yeah, raring to go. Looking forward to uh, getting into a bit of Leah. It'll be great. You came in that thing? You're braver than I thought. Nice. Come on. Before we get into it, Lance, you know, we, we're going to talk about Generation Skywalker. We're going to talk about Princess Leah Organa. But first of all, it's been a little while. Vintage pickups. Stu, you've started going back into vintage and you're going for a new loose run all of a sudden. What's going on? Where are you with it? And where are you getting your stuff? So I, I had my loose run. Um, I think I was a couple away back in about 2015, 2016. And I needed some quick money to to buy the Greedo Square Card Meccano. And at the time, the loose collection was the um, the easiest thing to, to shift and uh, for me to, to be able to create those funds. And I've dabbled, I've started, and I've sold it. I've started and I've sold it. But about a year ago, I went off to Swindon and I bought one of the Drew Tech cases. Very nice. Which stood 
out of back of Tiki in here, leaning in bubble wrap for uh, a long while. And uh, my dad came over the other day and was like, why are you here? I fancy holding this up for me while I drill it in to the wall. So I put the case up and then I got the loose out that I had. And uh, I think I had about 50 of about 100 that I've noted that I want. So, yeah, yeah, just started. I've added, I mean, I only had a couple of last 17, so I've added a few of them to break the back of the, the expense. But, um, yeah, mainly picking them up on Facebook. I use um, Echo's always good. I've used Jabber's. I've bought a couple on the Donned group, a couple of the last 17 on there, and Darkside Alliance. So, yeah, generally places that I'm comfortable that they're going to be legit weapons. Um, I did look on eBay, but it's just a minefield now with things that look fake or not listed properly. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, whether or not eBay was still, you know, all right. People have been back and forth about sometimes some of the prices on some of these Facebook groups have gone bananas, haven't they? But yeah, fine. Fair enough. Stay away. Oh, good for you. It's great to see in that cabinet does look the absolute business. And do you know what? I don't think there's anything better than putting a loose collection together. Now, I've stopped for a minute. I've added... I've added 11 since I put the, the wall thing up. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop. It's farthest from in like six, seven weeks. And it'd be really nice to go down there and buy a couple of expensive ones, a few of the cheaper ones I need, and buy, buy them in hand because I'm trying to get the best quality I can, you know? I am missing Luke um, original, so I want to buy a real nice one of that. So that is going to be my main target for farthest from. And Craig, mate, I- I've got to come to you because you have had an uproar. Now, when I say an uproar, it's a new acronym which I've put together, which means an under-the-radar auction win. (laughs) You've had an uproar of the absolute... um, Mate, tell us all about your incredible uproar. Just when I say tell us all about it, you've got 60 seconds because you need to signpost people. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want to reveal everything because... You know, every once in a while, something comes and rocks your collecting world off its axis. And um, and this really did. So, you know, if, if anyone knows me, knows my collection, I'm very fond of the early UK stuff, particularly the Helix, the Clearo, and also the Letra set. If there's one thing that you'd ever want to turn up, it's original pre-production work that, that ties to some of those licenses. And our dear friend Mark Daniels stumbled on an auction for a series of original letter set pieces of artwork so this is the actual pieces of uh airbrush gouache art that an artist sat down and created that was taken and then printed onto the covers of a a series of stationery so and yeah under the radar i mean we we thought this would be big news we thought everybody would be on it and it just slipped through it just slipped uh through the net it was a small auction house down in maidenhead happened to be on the same day as the big vectis auction the last one and we were there at the right place at the right time you know when we when we saw it we said well we need to pool our resources on this because it's it's going to be quite a significant amount of money it ended up being quite reasonable but one thing we said we did want to do with it was to share it you know a lot of times these big things come up they disappear into black hole collections and we said you know if if we get this thing we are going to we're going to share it with the world. So you can go and check out a video, different type of format for us. It was a sort of <laughs> this morning style uh, sofa chat where we go through this stuff. And I wrote one of my very in-depth blogs as well, just to record everything we could about these pieces. 
that so people can go and, and check it out and and they now know what we know fantastic mate everyone's delighted for you i know that you would have had people contacting you asking to buy it and offering considerably large sums of money so good for you well done you have your moments not many of them but you do have them but here we are Generation Skywalker presents those old fossils. You know, we've been doing this for about four months or so, the new format, where we're talking about vintage figures and getting into the sort of meat and gravy of the vintage figures. And the feedback for this change has been phenomenal. It really, really has. Lots and lots of support publicly and also via sort of private message and everything else. Must give a shout out to Jerry, Death Star Gunner 1973 on Instagram, who's just such a good, loyal supporter and really, really big on us up on Instagram. So thank you ever so much to you, Jerry, and, and to everyone else who's been really commenting favourably on the We Are Generation Skywalker Facebook group. It's really great to see. But let's get straight into it. Our General Princess Leo Organa. Let's talk about the princess. Princess Leia. Baby, let's talk about princess Leia. Princess Leia. The princess. Let's talk about the princess. Leia. Princess Leia Organa. When we first meet Leia in New Hope, she's presented as both a princess and a senator of the rebel-sympathising planet of Alderaan. Leia appears in George Lucas's beautiful binary world of good and evil by being dressed completely in white inside the pristine Tantive Four. Vader's entrance provides the opposite extreme, but thereafter the film is grey and brown and dirty space. Somehow, though, Leia never gets her whites dirty. She remains a beacon, a light, an icon. An icon in part due to a unique space buns hairdo, which caught the imagination of the media in 1977 and continue to be referenced and parodied in popular culture to this day. In fact, George Lucas intended the hairdo to be a nod to Mexican soldereras, female revolutionaries from the turn of the century, though it's more closely associated with the Hopi tribes women of Native America and the progressive bohemian women of the 1920s who adopted ethnic fashion as a feminist statement a means of demonstrating their difference from the mainstream. Leah was originally modelled on Princess Deja Thoris from John Carter of Mars, and her name is said to reference this and Lady Galadriel of Lord of the Rings. Though whether it's Leah or Leia is still debated, as both pronunciations are used on screen. For me, growing up in the north of England with classmates of the same name, it will always be Leah. Just as she was in the movies, Leah, the action figure, was always front and centre. If the early bird set was released today, I'm sure the laughable go-woke, go-broke minority would dismiss the one droid, one alien, one male, one female character lineup of R2, Chewie and Leah as a 20th century fox box-ticking exercise in diversity. Where are the troopers, man? The Princess Leia Organa figure, however, only went on to spore a mere six, seven, if you count Cy Snootle's female figures from the basic vintage line. And of course, five of these were Leah in other guises, and the other was the matriarch of Jabba's dungeon, EV-99. If the internet is to believe every single rising star in Hollywood, including 
Jodie Foster, Glenn Close, Farrah Fawcett, Jessica Lang, Sissy Spacek, Sigourney Weaver, Sybil Shepherd, Jane Seymour, Angelica Houston, Kim Bassinger, Kathleen Turner, Gina Davis, Meryl Streep and Terry Nunn were all considered for the role. But of course, it was the daughter of Hollywood royalty, Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, who became our princess. Over the years, the outspoken feistiness and bravery of Carrie Fisher became inseparable from the outspoken feistiness and bravery of Leah. And we love them both all the more for it. Wonderful, Craig. Thank you so much. Guys, Princess Leah, and I'm talking about the princess before we get into Carrie. I mean, tonight, I must say, you know, we've had Bruce White is going to come on. And you know, whenever people think of, of Leah and of Carrie Fisher, people are tagging Bruce all over the place. From my point of view, an absolute Leah super fan. And I had an absolute blast recording with Bruce. And we've got two interviews with Bruce coming out later on. And I was thrilled to have David DeMarcus on as well. So loads of information, loads of stuff coming out. So we'll keep it tight, but let's just talk about it. The character, what are your thoughts? Stu? Let's be honest about it. She was she was everybody's, everybody's passion as a Star Wars fan, wasn't she? And she's feisty and strong. I mean, we look for those now. Disney want those kind of roles. But in 1977, Lucas planted one right on the screens and it was probably out of place at the time a bit rude you know someone comes to rescue her and she just just um oh, you're a little short aren't you kind of like attitude and you're like have you ever seen family guy where he's like well sod you then and uh, locks the door back up <laughs> no i haven't seen that aren't you a little fat to be a stormtrooper well stay here and rot you stuck up bitch. wait who are you I'm Luke Skywalker. Me and Han Solo and Obi-Wan are here to rescue you. Wait, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah. Suddenly I'm not so fat, huh? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, such a such a strong, strong character in it. You know, as far as toys go, um, I mean, her little action figure was vastly in the forefront of everything I did. Really was. What about you, Craig? Well, what did you think at the time growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think she's a, she's a character that, I grew to admire more and more as I, as I got older, you know, trying to think back to when I was a kid and, you know, I don't, I don't remember making any distinction that, you know, she's, she's a girl and I wouldn't play with her action figure or anything like that. I think she did hold her own. And I think that, that whip smart dialogue that she had, you know, it was very appealing. She was one of the gang and she certainly wasn't a lesser character for being, you know, the girl in the gang that's something that Lucas did very well and it didn't didn't have an impact on me at all that you know I was watching a, a strong female character or, or or anything else really it was just she was just part, part of the story and and integrated and never gave it a second thought I loved the figure I mean I can I remember the that white you know that white robed figure with those that distinctive hairdo you know in the racetrack on that on that quite monochrome card and it being one of my favorites it was so iconic back then you know still one of the best cards and card figure act combos now isn't it yeah yeah when i look at everything it's 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 a top five or easy beautiful posted something on tiktok the other day of Leia. she was um doing her wishful wishful drinking tour that she did she was saying that when she got the rollers layer lucas went oh you need to lose 10 pounds and she was only 105 pounds anyway so you're talking what seven and a half stone all her weight was always in her face 
And she, like she said, he then decided to stick these great big buns on the side of her head to make <laughs> her head even wider <laughs> than what it already looked. But um, yeah, her, her storytelling as she got older, I mean, just hold an audience because she was uh, such good value every time she spoke as an actress. Jaws, yeah. funny. Because it shows how you mix the two of them together, Leah and Carrie. Because you started talking about Leah and then having her on TikTok. And when she did her wish for drinking tour, and I'm like, <laughs> no, you mean Carrie. <laughs> so even yeah. now, you know, you, you're confusing the two. But sticking with the figures, yeah, I mean, you you know, you said it came out on the early birds and the, and the great card back. And I looked... Because, you know, I check out Jedi Temple archives and I use Star Wars Tracker to get loads of information on sales and what was available. Yeah, so there's no doubt from an international point of view, this card was released on pretty much everything. Uh, And it just goes on. There was one interesting thing which I saw on Jedi Temple archives. There's no Toll Toys that Toll Toys didn't do Leah, but apparently one sold at Vectis last year for £7,192. So yeah, just one scene in, in when I did the um, tracker search over the last 13 years or so. So even now, stuff coming up, which which hasn't been seen before. But yeah, obviously came out on 12A all the way through. And then from a, from a Kenner point of view, it would have just stopped at the 77. Didn't come out on a 79, certainly didn't come out on a Power of the Force. But more on that later on with regards to power and force. And quite clearly here on the continent within Europe, various different variations. And we're going to be talking to the variant villains later on. But it did come out on a wonderful Trilogo. And I, I do really, really love the Trilogo version as well. It's the Glassley. And, and just looking at the variations, they are wonderful. But... I mean, the Kenner, the Kenner Jedi is mm. quite hard to come by, isn't it? It's quite an expensive piece. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Feeling that's always what everyone's looking for to complete that run. Well, when you consider in the last, what am I looking at, 12, 13 years, there's been 2477A Kenners sold. You've got Clippers, Palatoys. Um, we'll come on to that. Yeah, 165D Palatoid sold in the last 14 years or so. Um, and then just 748 D Kenners, so yeah, Return of a Jedi on the on the forty eight and the uh, seventy seven, not many at all, not many at all. You're you're absolutely right, but there's been some choice pieces. In in twenty eighteen, there was a twelve A AFA ninety five, so the you know the gold standard, the platinum standard of graded carded figures sold at Hakes for twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars. For a you know production carded figure, earlier on that year there was an AFA ninety for eight thousand five hundred, so a difference of twenty one grand between a ninety and a ninety five. But yeah, yeah, some very very choice pieces. You know, we, we're quite clearly just talking about Leah Organa, and I need to make it quite clear now that at the end of the last episode we announced that we were going to be talking about Leah Organa, the original one. Princess Leia Organa Hoth, Princess Leia Organa Bespin Gown, and Princess Leia Organa in the Endor Poncho. But because of the amount of stuff coming in, we've had to drop Leia Hoth tonight. So we are, we are just focusing on the three figures. 
And boy, is that going to be enough for tonight. That's right. Don't get all mushy on me. So long, princess. The other night, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to David DeMarcus about the Lear items which I've seen him posting on Facebook. And boy, oh boy, are we going to have to get David back for a full-on interview because what this guy's got is absolutely incredible. But let's go over to join my conversation with David DeMarcus. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. David, welcome to the show. Welcome to Generation Skywalker. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, having me on. Right. It's my pleasure. Can you just sum up in a nutshell for me, please, your collecting focus or, or passion? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess my focus is my focus is very unfocused. Let's just put it that way. I um, collect pretty much anything vintage, uh, you know, vintage Star Wars, obviously. And that ranges from die cast vehicles to Kenner artwork to prototypes and miscarded figures and things that weren't available in the United States, like things from Germany and from Canada and France. And, you know, like everyone, my collection started out really small and I just had trouble narrowing it down to exactly what I wanted to collect. So I just started collecting everything let's let's just put it that way wonderful thank you i mean the reason you're on the show today is because i did a quick search on the 12 bag group for leah and boom i just saw a post by you which as i said blew my mind and the more i dug i mean you're very modest about your collection <laughs> the original artwork the store displays oh my word i don't want to We've got this phrase, we've got this saying on Generation Skywalker about, you know, we don't want to blow a load. We don't want to get carried away too much too soon. And I would love to have you back for a proper interview where we can talk about all sorts of your collection. Because, yeah, I, I have just watched a 30 plus minute video of you sort of showing and um, yeah, curating your collection on Best Moon Prime. You, you put a video on about a year or so ago mate you you have to come back on <laughs> yeah no i'd be happy to do that yeah like i said it's it's a it's a it's a very you know varied collection like all sorts of things and i'm sitting here right now just in front of my layup pieces because i know that's what you'd like to talk about today yeah. but um yeah no let's do it I'd, I'd be happy to come back on when whenever you ask oh wonderful thank you that's really kind of you let's go into leah though because yeah i mean I'm just going to hand it over to you, if you don't mind. Talk to me about why and what it is you've got. And if, if and yeah, I've written down quite a few things of Leah, which I've seen. So if you miss them out, I'll uh, we'll, we'll catch up. But Leah, talk to me. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, I guess you know when I when I first started collecting, I um so I grew up in the in the late '70s and early '80s. So I was um you know just a young boy when the first Star Wars movie came out. So I recall playing with all of the old, uh, all of the original uh, 12 figures, the original 21 figures um, in particular, you know, Princess Leia being one of them, along with, you know, the original 
play sets in the original vehicles, you know, Land Speeder, Millennium Falcon, X-Wing, and all of that. So when I first started getting into collecting, I really wanted to go out and get a lot of those original things that I had when I was a, a young kid. So I primarily focused on the original uh, 12 figures and Princess Leia obviously being one of them. So she, I think probably the first Leia piece I um, ever got as an adult was a 12 back, um, you know, mint on card 12 back that I purchased. I don't, I mean, this was probably 20 years ago because I've been doing this for a long time, but, you know, I just felt it was important uh, if, if, if you're going to collect and focus on the original 12 and, you know, Princess Leia in particular, you want to make sure that you have an original 12 back of her. So that's kind of where it all started. You know, just it's very nostalgic for me to see that original 12 back, you know, the front of the car, the image, you know, her sitting inside the bubble and everything like that. So um, that's kind of where I started. Um, and like I said, that was 20 or so years ago. I don't remember exactly when or where I even bought it. Probably eBay, because that seemed to be the main thing back then. But yeah, that's how it that's how it all started. And then it just kind of branched off from there. I started acquiring other pieces, you know, Obviously, I thought, well, if, if I've got a 12-back Leia, maybe I should get a Empire Strikes Back carded Leia. So I did that. And then, you know, I, I think more recently, maybe in the last seven or eight years or so, I didn't know this prior, but I, I learned that, you know, there a lot of other countries had their own um, Star Wars line that Kenner authorized them to do. So I started looking at getting, you know, Princess Leia carded figures from France and, you know, it's like the Meccano version, like I've got a Takara in my collection as well. And so then I started to branch off into the, I guess you'd say the non-Kenner pieces. And I did that not just for Leia, but for a lot of those original uh, 12 figures. Like I've got, you know, uh, the Italian Leia, the Harbert, Leia and um yeah it's just you know just I she's such an iconic character you know really you know without her I don't think the movie would have been what it was so she just felt important to you know do do justice to and have a decent a decent collection of Leia pieces brilliant yeah so I can see that now yeah you've got Clipper Star Wars Clipper one as well yeah, these are really wonderfully preserved, looking great. You um, you got a few proofs as well. I can, I mean, for a start, I need to go to the the unproduced Power of the Force proof you have there. Yeah, well, funny thing, I actually don't own that anymore. So the right. photo you saw, yeah, I must have sold it or traded it away after um after you saw it posted. I think the only Leia proof that I have right now is um, it's an Empire Strikes Back uh, 45 back Leia proof. Yeah, the Power of the Force one I did end up either selling or trading that away. I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were. But right. yeah, so I'm just really down to the one proof of the original Leia on Empire Strikes Back card. And then the other piece, I guess that would be considered a, a proof is I do have a Leia Bespin outfit a 12 inch box flat yes. so as a lot of people know kenner had plans to produce a princess leia 12 inch um large size action figure 
in her uh, Bespin outfit and ended up producing box flats for what that, you know, what the packaging would have been. And then uh, they kind of decided not to proceed any further, not to actually release the, that particular 12 inch figure. So um, I do have a, a un, unused uh, prototype box flat of the 12 inch Leia Bespin. Which looks brilliant, doesn't it? I mean, the art, not just the artwork, but the, the side images of the what would have been the doll look really, really yeah. good. Yeah, the Im- the, her image, her photograph from the movie, um, as well as, um, yeah, the actual, you know, photograph of the product itself. Um, yeah. It looks great. Uh, in fact, I've not had it out of my display cabinet in a long time, so I'm reaching in right now to grab it because I'm curious what the oh. back of this looks like. <laughs> be, be I don't careful. remember. Uh, oh, yeah. So you want to know what's interesting is on the back, um, it has the same images. It has a, a Princess Leia Bespin uh, photo from the movie. And then it's got a smaller image of the Princess Leia Bespin doll. And then it's got six other images. But these six all look to me like the original 12-inch Leia doll so I, and i think they're probably the same six photos that show different hairstyles and things like that that you can do with her hair so right. they didn't really it looks like they didn't really complete the box they kind of m- merged a new box into the old one and still have some old imagery uh on the back of the of this uh, of this box brilliant now this when you talk about the hair as well this segues wonderfully into <laughs> Into another item which you have, which you must describe this, is I've never seen this before. It's a truly wonderful product. Yeah, so these are what I've been told are called um, either root root samples or rooting samples or hair rooting samples. And it's basically a collection of three prototype Leia heads with three different hairstyles which I'm guessing they were kind of toying around with and debating on when they produced the 12-inch Bespin Leia, what hairstyle do we want her to have? So it's a, yeah, I've got this nice little acrylic case that shows these three rooting samples of Leia Bespin. And it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really quite amazing i don't know how i lucked out and actually got this um i mean i do re- i remember where i got it and, and from who but i don't know if, i do feel pretty fortunate to have that because yeah i've not seen um i think i've seen some other root rooting samples but maybe i, I don't think they were for princess leia I, I and i can't remember the specifics um so i don't know for sure but yeah it's it's pretty pretty uh, a pretty neat piece that's for sure yeah definitely so it came in that acrylic case when you got hold of it. That's not something which you've done post collection of that. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. It, yeah. The way I bought it, it had the acrylic case and it's got three little, three little stands where each of the heads rests on um, a stand. And it, um, yeah, it just shows three different possible hairstyles that yeah. I guess they were considering for the, the 12 inch Leia Bespin. It's remarkable. It's such a good image. Almost I mean, away from Star Wars takes me to that movie Return to Oz where a lady just <laughs> can choose what head mm. she's going to wear one particular day. No, it's it's yep. brilliant. I love it. You're right. Yeah. You've also got a, is that a box flat for the original 12-inch large size action figure? 
Yeah, I did. And that is uh, also something that I don't think I own anymore. Yeah, I believe I know who I traded that away to or sold it to. But um, yeah, I've been been actually selling uh, and and getting rid of trying to trying to reduce my collection size a little bit over the last year or two. So that is a piece that I that I no longer have. But you're right. It was a, a 12 inch box flat for the original Leia. Okay. Let's go to one other piece though in this photograph. So this this particular photograph, there's a couple which I've seen. One is the one I'm looking at now is from 2019. So I understand that pieces have moved on. The other one I'm, I'm going to come to because you've you've done more recently. But a Leddy large size action figure. Do you still have that? Yes, the Leddy. Uh, you know what? I recently got rid of that too. I, I sold that at, uh, I gave that to Hake's Auction House. And... Um, Yep, sold it through them. So no, I don't have that one anymore either. Right. It's it's a stunning piece. It did look amazing. Um, I'll move on to something else now, though, uh, because you, okay. you've got so much. There's one piece which I'm almost certain you've still got. You mentioned it earlier on that you're a fan of Miss Cards. You have an yes. absolutely incredible Leah Miss Card. Can you describe that for me, please? Yes, I do still have that. And I, I probably will always keep that for a variety of reasons so what so what it is it's a 12 back r2d2 with leia mounted to the card instead of r2d2 so it is it's one of the areas that i kind of like to specialize in and that is miscarded figures er, errors that happened in the factory where either the wrong figure was mounted to the to the wrong card or you know other errors such as so I've got a few where the bubble was misplaced. So instead of the bubble being down in the upper, the the lower left hand corner, the bubble is in the upper right hand corner. I've got yeah. three figures like that, not Leia's. But anyway, so this is what makes this one special, at least for me, is one I'm a big R2D2 collector. So the fact that it was on an R2D2 card back, um, I just love that. I have a huge R2D2 run. Um, I'm also a R2D2 builder, a droid builder. So that was pretty. Um, that was made it extra important to me. But the fact that it is a miscard, which is also one of my, um, one of the things that I focus on, and it's the only miscard that I've ever seen. And I think, I'm not sure if anyone else has ever seen a miscard that's on a Star Wars card back. So there are, there, tri, the tri logos are known for miscards. And a lot of times the, the miscarded tri logo figures are, they were done intentionally, not by accident. And I have a few Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back miscarded figures where they, you know, put the wrong figure on the card. But this is the only Star Wars card back that I've ever seen. And I think a lot of people have ever seen, you know, it's a, it's a legitimate Star Wars miscard. So, yeah, the, it, it doesn't have a great grade because the bubble's damaged. It's, a, it's an AFA 60. The bubble's got some crushing at the top, but it is... Um, yeah, I mean, it's just fabulous when you put it next to like a, a regular R2-D2 card back and you look at the difference. It's just, it's just you know, striking. I mean, anyone can look at that and say, well, that obviously was a mistake. But yeah, I just love that piece. I acquired that a couple years ago. I think I had seen it prior to that, maybe three or four years ago I had first seen it. And I reached out to the owner and told him, hey, if you if you ever want to get rid of that, please let me know. And yeah, after a couple of years of waiting, it happened. It is truly wonderful. It really is. Before I go on to a quote from someone else, 
I would say, I wonder if it was a mistake. I mean, it fits so perfectly with, with regards to Leah and R2. I, I wonder <laughs> if anyone in the factory had you know, seen the movie and gone, oh, let's just recreate the scene. No one's noticed it. Like, no one's seen. Because, you know, that, when you think of the yeah, bubble that... size, it, it, I don't know, it just seems to be such a well-considered intentional miscard of someone being, you know, slightly sort of, uh, not, not naughty as such, but just someone having a bit of fun on the production line, maybe on, on just just that one off occasion. I yeah, think it's I great. Yeah. It, it it could have been it could have been yeah. intentional because not only would the, so whoever put this together at the factory they they not only would have had to have the wrong figure but they would have had the wrong bubble, bubble. as well because yeah. Leia needs a much bigger bubble than R two does. Absolutely. So it's very possible that, uh, yeah, someone did it as a as a little bit of a joke and say, hey, let's put these together because it kind of looks like R2-D2 playing, uh, playing yeah. his Princess Leia message. Well, we'll come to that. But before I forget, because I do have a mind like a sieve, does she have a weapon? Uh, I believe so. Let me, let me double check. All the more reason she, why. Yeah, this... she does. Yep, she has a weapon um, and it's taped inside the bubble. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, because I need to quote Bruce here, because when you posted this, Bruce White put a comment on saying, with a blue background, the Leah figure looks like it's a hologram being projected by the photo of R2. This is the most amazing miscard and my favourite for obvious reasons. Because the angle of R2, it's like he's pointing at the bubble. It's it's so well done. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that comment that Bruce uh, posted, and yeah, he's exactly right. I mean, it, the angle is is perfect. It, is the dome, the direction his dome is pointing. I think R two even looks like he has a little bit of a downward tilt to his body mm. um, on on the cardback image. That yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks perfect. It really does. No, I love it. Congratulations on that one. It, yeah, really, really cool couple of other things which I just wanted to mention, if I may. Early bird collection. You, mm-hmm. One from my particular uncle, is it un- Uncle Ron? Yes. Yeah, the Uncle Ron and the famous X-ray. Would you mind telling me about that story? Is this something which you still have? Yeah, I do still have that. And I mean, I may not get all these details right, but I do, I, I believe it was maybe around... 2020 let's see 2017 or so i remember seeing on facebook a gentleman who was selling a a bunch of things that his uncle ron had i think bought and just stashed away like bought in the late 70s kept them in his garage kept them stored away and i don't know if he forgot about them or or it was intentional just to leave them kind of hidden for a long, long time. But his nephew, I think his nephew was named Jeremy, um, helped his uncle Ron basically sell all of these things that um, had been purchased back then and just stored. So yeah, one of the one of the pieces I ended up with from from that, and it was he had all sorts of things. I can't remember everything he had, but the one piece that um, I did end up getting was it was an early bird. Uh, mailer and it was still sealed and it was it had an x-ray of the box as well and all of it is beautifully mounted in this uh, acrylic display case so you have the early bird the sealed early bird mailer a x-ray of what's inside the early bird package 
And then you also have a couple of the mail-in early bird certificates. One that Uncle Ron had sent to Kenner. And I think he probably included a letter that said he wanted it back. So I don't, I don't think they typically mailed the certificates back to the, um, you know, to the sender. And so he asked for it back and they had stamped the word void on it. And then there's another one that he, I mean, he must've bought several early bird packages because then there's another early bird certificate that is untouched and it's not, it's not torn apart. Like it's not perforated. It's still all together as one piece. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat piece. And it, yeah, I think it's, it's graded. Um, it's a UK, UK grading company. Yeah. Great. The whole thing was graded at an 85. Yeah. They just describe it as early bird set mailer kit, 1978. Cause that's all it really, I mean, that's all it really is along with the early bird certificate and the, the x-ray, which makes it kind of special. Yeah. That's, it's wonderful. It looks, it looks brilliant. It's so different and you've got it on a shelf there with an early bird mailer, um, which you collected about 18 years or so ago. It looks like it at the beginning so you've got the certificate package, uh, figures in tray, and this Uncle Runs piece as well. Yep, that's right. And I've got, the, and I do have a early bird certificate uh, store display, which is um, next to next to the um, the Uncle Ron uh, piece. Wow, the store yeah. display that the that the envelopes were, you know, uh, displayed in at the store. Wonderful. But yeah, Uncle Ron. Apparently, I, I think I have this right. I think he was a dentist. And I think he had access to an x-ray machine being a dentist. So he was just, you know, it was very easy for him just to take an x-ray of this and um, include it with the, with the early bird uh, mailer. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Thanks for sharing that with us. A couple other pieces which you've got. I don't know if you've still got them or not. Hero set three pack with Han and Ben. Yes. Yep. I have, I have a complete set, a complete set of the three packs and yeah, Han and Ben and Leia. Yep. That's uh that's a pretty pretty awesome one. Yeah, very nice. And what also the the final thing which I'm going to touch on is, and hopefully we'll save this for another time. But you're a collector of Canadian, uh, the Sears Canadian multi packs, aren't you? So you've got three packs, four packs, and seven packs. And this episode we're not looking really at Leah Hoth, which is in your three and the four, but in your seven pack you've got a Leah Bespin, haven't you? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, these, um, it's funny, you talk to, uh, every every time I, I post a picture of one of these Canadian Sears multi-packs, you know, you get, you always get these comments of people saying, wow, I've never seen that before. I didn't know that existed because they are, they are quite, quite rare. Very few of them survived. And from talking to some of my c- Canadian collector friends, they you know, um, friends who grew up in Canada said that a lot of times the reason they didn't survive is because kids would go into the store and they would see these and they would, you know, they would literally rip the boxes open and just pull out the figures that they wanted. And, you know, I guess back then they were able just to purchase the figures individually. The cashiers never knew the difference that they came from a multi-pack. But yeah, the, um, yeah, I do have a, a seven pack that has Leia Bespin in it. You're, you're correct. Wonderful. That's, that's incredible. Just looking at this collection, I'm looking forward to when I'm going to get you on Skype, on Skype again and we can go through this wonderful collection of yours. But for the time being, David, thank you so much for coming on. It, you've got some wonderful pieces of Leah, particularly Leah Organa. Truly, truly incredible pieces. Congratulations. Hey. 
Hey, you're so welcome. No, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for including me. You're welcome, David. You are Generation Skywalker. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs> David, once again, thank you ever so much. Absolute beauty. So, guys, we've been looking at Leah Organa pieces and uh, and we've just had a little look, seeing what's out there, seeing what's taken our fancy. Stuart, now I'm going to come to you to talk about something which I've seen before. I love these sets. What have you got to talk to us about, buddy? Right, so I I mean, the first, there is so much Leia stuff. I mean, BTT, you can, you can go crazy with this stuff. But the thing that, instantly springs to mind on this is the princess leia utility belt and i'm sure you've both seen this um basically it is uh, there was there was three three available you had a luke and a leia and a darth vader utility belt packs and they're only available in canada they're produced by kenner canada and actually reading uh, the Irwin toys book on this uh, these were the only toys in the star wars line that kenner canada made completely independently of any other Star Wars manufacturers in the world, so this was their one and only item. But these were these were great. I mean, the front of the box, classic racetrack design on the box, Star Wars logo, and the Hildebrandt design top left, and above that is the is the Kenner logo, and then you had the Princess Leia name alongside the Star Wars logo, and then in the bottom, utility belt, Centure de accessories, and then a little photo of Leia to the other side. And obviously Vader and Luke were also similar. And then they were packaged. So 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 the layer set, for example, this came with a um, utility belt, obviously. It came with a generic blaster So and, and a buckle on the belt. So the belt, buckle and the blaster were the same in the Luke, Vader and layer sets. And then they all had something slightly different. So Luke's came with a grappling hook and layers came with a watch and a... Now, originally, I thought it was a flashlight, but I have since found out was a camera a camera and a watch so um yeah that classic scenes where she's taking a few snaps of her planet being blown up and uh yeah pretending to shoot it with her pistol great fun great fun but they came in like a, a plastic tray all held in position now these are when we say rare these are rare i think i've seen one come up for sale since i've been collecting was in the 1979 Sears Christmas Wish Book, and the description for this was Princess Leia Utility Belt for Young Girls comes with a belt, pistol, make-believe camera, and watch for hours of playing fun. Now, these items were limited even in Canada, but word has it that Kenner in the US were also going to take this design and run with it. And they asked George Lucas for permission to distribute these domestically, and he balked at the quality and ordered Kenner Canada to stop producing these items. So they had a very short-lived line. Um, they retailed at four ninety nine, but you're looking to pay thousands now, thousands upon thousands. But, um, yeah, although rare, according to the archive, they're not particularly sought after, but I think if one came up, it would sell very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers for that. Now, I, I look at these. Uh, it's funny. 
he didn't like the quality so insisted they stopped i mean when bearing in mind the quality of some of the other merchandise which has come out i, I thought they looked all right what about you craig are you, are you fan of these i think they fit into that kind of kitsch category so that's uh they, they do appeal i mean if i certainly wouldn't turn one down if it came my way they're, they're, they're quite unique aren't they yeah yeah no i like it i like it a lot but craig what what have you brought to the table with regards to Leah or Ghana? Yeah, this I mean just to, just to give a little bit of of the behind the scenes Generation Skywalker magic, we yeah you know, we 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 come up with these topics and we have a little hub uh, where we where we put our suggestions in of things we want to talk about, and this is absolutely a heart decision rather than a head decision. It's it's far and away my favourite princess leah item if not one of my favorite star wars items and it does relate back to what we were saying at the top of the show which was the the letter set stationery for a number of reasons i think and you know those those memories that we have from that first flush of star wars mania i think they're just very very powerful and i do remember seeing the uh, action figures on display in a uh, in a department store when i was on holiday down south but I equally remember encountering this range of stationery in Asda on a Friday night with my dad. So my we would my, my dad and myself would go to the big Asda, which is one of the one of the first out of town supermarkets in our area. And it was a Friday night treat. He he would look at sci-fi books with garish colours by garish covers by Chris Foss and people like that. Uh, but I remember turning the turning down the aisle and seeing this range of stationery and the, the Princess Leah Jota was just so arresting. It's a it's a little tablet of plain paper. I think it's probably yeah, 50, 50 pages of sort of sugar paper for, for scribbling in. But it's that shot of her pointing the gun at the camera, which was taken from um, the publicity still that you'd see a lot of, at the time. It would get reproduced in, in newspapers. And I think it was one of the, uh, certainly one of the lobby cards, certainly one part of the press pack. But this white figure against this, really bright blue background um starburst with this yellow logo and just a real memory and it's just such a beautiful piece of art it really really is a stunning likeness and just a just a a quality item i love it and i put that up for discussion and then sure enough a couple of weeks later i was looking at it with with the possibility of winning it in an auction which is just wonderful brilliant it really does pop doesn't it it's not just you, mate. You're not alone on this. I think anyone looking at this particular piece of artwork with, with colours, with the, it, I don't know if it's just the blue, the white, the face, the pose, the likeness. I it's love set, it. You know, she's, they just nailed it. Yeah. It's looking into your soul. It's such a beautiful thing. And it's probably worth pointing out that, you know, in the in the course of dividing up the pieces in the auction, this went to live with Mark and the scrapbook, which also features the same image although it was part of the montage came to live with me so nice. we both got a leer in our collections brilliant oh <laughs> good stuff yeah when i say oh good stuff i already knew that because i've seen the video <laughs> but <laughs> i'll edit that out don't worry brilliant mate that's that's really really great before you and i'm going to bring craig in on this before you go off of layers beyond the toys bits and into wherever we go next i do think we should mention the star wars panini album from italy because the artwork on that is incredible. It is a sticker album I've always meant to get, but it's always quite expensive. So I've always been like, one day I'll find it at a more reasonable cost. And that, that still is the target. But the layer image on this 
is is so so striking it's completely different to the other star wars panini albums it's it's a plain white cover star wars is in bright yellow and it's got this black death star in the back with with our with our with our characters we love in front of it so 3po is big and center i mean he's vader's tiny compared to 3po on this but it's luke and leia that are absolutely fascinating you got this rip luke with like his his chest all out it's looking a bit more flash gordon-y in his thing and then you've got leia showing showing a lot of thigh and she's got a white dress but it's a lot man it looks more like an evening dress to me than a than the gown we're used to but she's got her hair down as well so it's kind of a off the shoulder one side it's a completely different look but i think that cover's beautiful craig as a as an artist tell me about this <laughs> tell me about it i mean it, it falls into that category of you know this this comes from a time when things weren't quite so strictly controlled and there was wriggle room for a bit of interpretation and this has a little bit of that italian spirit it's quite sexy and quite out there when you compare it to something like the polish posters which can be quite dark and uh, and disturbing so i think it's, it probably captures the country quite well that it originated in but it's it, it's got that like you say flash gordon is a real touch point and obviously was for, for george lucas and, and and this really nods to that it's quite b-movie it's quite it's quite kind of you know, kitschy in its in its approach but the, the layout's great the colors are great it is quite a unique thing and there's no surprise that i've seen it reprinted on t-shirts and and, and various things since in the kind of modern era because it is quite a quite a unique item i really like it it's wonderful what people see you know in, in their own eyes you said, oh, it's got a black Death Star behind it. I hadn't picked up that that was the Death Star. I just thought that that was space with lots of you know planets and, and bits and pieces inside. I, I didn't necessarily take that as a Death Star, but I see your point of view. But the Leah thing, yeah, you're right. It's, it's quite sensual pose. What I see with that is it looks like it's got Luke Jedi's blaster. It looks like it's the sort of Jabba's court, Jabba's palace blaster, because um, it's got the little... Um, sighting system on the end i look at luke in that and i think more hellboy i think because of the color of the skin it's just really weird the r2 is a slightly strange shape i think they've done a real good job on 3po and even to the point of getting the sort of grease stripping down off of the restraining bolt yeah, really interesting but vader's but not as prominent as would normally be no i was going to say that he's usually quite sort of big in the background isn't he but he's quite marginalized here mm even to the point where they could have just left him out and just mm. left the good guys on there. Yeah. It would have probably maybe been better with Han Solo's little head poking over. <laughs> <up. laughs> oh, little head, Han, rather than big head, Han. <laughs> See yes. what he did there. <laughs> um, so above the uh, the Italian writing, there's some sort of oil slick or something or other. What, what is that? And it almost looks like it's coming out of 3PO's hand. It's the um, <laughs> stench from the garbage chute. Right, yeah. Lo lo lovely visual image. Somebody has to save our skins. Into the garbage, you fly boy. Yeah, great, great spot. Really, really nice. And again, something else for me to add <laughs> to my list of things which I'm going to go for. Yeah, very, very nice. Been on my list for about ten years, Jez. But oh, really? <laughs> I've always, I've always wanted to get it sub one hundred quid, but it's always near two hundred quid. Yeah. yeah, probably so, probably more four hundred quid now because it's been a while since I've seen one. The more you tighten your grip, Tark, 
the more star systems will slip through your fingers. I think in 2018, I think it was, I think we, we went over to Belgium and uh -oh. you dressed as Princess Leia Organa in the white gown. Oh dear. And enjoyed touching yourself a lot of the day. <laughs> That's not and true. And walking around with a wiggle. Um, are you wearing that dress tonight? No. It's in the loft. I forgot <laughs> yeah, about right. that. I Oh. Oh, my goodness. I completely erased that from my mind. <laughs> I have never seen you so happy in my life. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I, I don't mind. I'm. You know me. Half of my Facebook pictures of, <laughs> of dressing up. Um, Indeed. That, that was quite a liberating... That was quite a liberating time. I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah, me too. We had we went in full fancy dress costumes, and um, I don't know how you to, could describe yours uh, and Pete's and, and Simon McCowan, but you know we we all looked a little bit different. And I went, what what was the head type? What do we call that? Frank Frank side bottom. Frank side bottom. So I had a. Frank Sidebottom Leah head and a Leah Organa costume on with um, a sort of augmented sort of, you know, bosoms. And um, and I think I got confused as a lady on a lot of occasions because I'm disgusted to say I did have my bum pinched a couple of times and it wasn't <laughs> by any of you guys just as I was walking through the convention. Disgusting behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. But... <laughs> Yeah, very, very weird, very strange. But yeah, at least we got photos of that to make it easy to enhance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dearie me, that was quite funny. Good oh, try. good times. Good yeah. times. <laughs> well, I guess you don't know everything about women yet. <laughs> so at this stage, we've spoken a little bit about Leah. We've spoken a little bit about the card work, our thoughts of her as a character. Now is absolutely the time to go over and have our Variant Villains segment, which is a brilliant recording by Mark Andrews and Jamie Acott, who can tell us all about Yalira Organas. And before you do anything else, there is a very valid point which you'll need to listen to about the Leah Organa capes, because this could be absolutely criminal how many legit capes have been thrown away by people who think they're fake. Listen up to this now. Hello, Generation Skywalker. It's Mark from Variant Villains and Jamie from Variant Villains. We are here today, today to chat through all these wonderful Leia figures that Jez has picked out for us. The wonderful thing with Leia is that neither of us are experts at this figure. So we've had a fair bit of learning to do. There could be some revisions to this one here when we actually do finally get to them. What do you think, mate? I think you're right. Not just the fact that we are not necessarily the experts in the field. We probably need to draw on Wolf and Tim's knowledge here. But also, I would say they're all a bit of a work in progress. Yeah, most definitely. All right. So look at the ball rolling. I mean, Leia is obviously a first choice figure. She started off in the early birds. And then, you know, all the factories had to go up producing a, a version of her. And, you know, she was a popular character right up to the Jedi 
or the 77 back, similar to Vader we discussed last time, she has lots of variations to go through. I mean, let's just start off, though. What's your impressions of the figure? Well, for me, Leia Organa is a classic. Uh, I really like the sculpt. I love the stark whiteness of the outfit itself, and it's one of my favourite card backs as well. Yeah, that's a fair point. Too. It is actually a wonderful card back. I'll give you full credit there, mate. Let's go into it a bit more. Kenner, Hong Kong. What are the factories that produce this figure? In total, there's five families and there's six factories that made Leia. Uh, so that's Smile Cater, Unitoy, Taiwan, Pock and Glass Leap. Of the Hong Kong ones, of course, they were just talking about Smile, Cater and Unitoy. And they all produced, along with Taiwan, a 12-back figure. In terms of picking out the differences, I mean, coup-wise, they're all two-line coup, the, the three Hong Kong ones, which can be problematic. But of course, if you start with Unitoy, you can differentiate that because it's the only one that says made in Hong Kong. And then that leaves Smile and Kader. Um, Smile, there's no gap between the Hong and the Kong. And of course, Kader, which has two mould families, there is a gap between the two. Yeah. Now, there's probably little sculpting details as well, but as I've said, this really isn't the, the right format to be discussing that sort of thing. So keep your eyes out for a figure focus at some point in the future where we'll go through that kind of stuff and we'll detail it out. So you've gone through in broad strokes. Should we start getting into the other little nitty gritty of the Hong Kong figures, like the accessories, for example? Wolf's just done a, a cake guide for Leia Organa. So, so should we start with that? Kader Smile and Unitoy, they all produced a zippy cape. What do I mean by a zipping cape? Well, they have a typical crosshatch pattern on one side, which when you run your fingernail down, it makes a kind of zipping sound on it. Each of them has, yeah, a kind of, has its own distinguishing features. For example, uh, Kader tends to be rounded at the top of the cape, uh, smile a little bit more pointy. And if you look closely with the unitoy one, it has some slight bulges. Thinking this through a little bit more, Leia is an early figure. She's a Hong Kong produced figure, so I'm guessing there's got to be a smooth version of the cape there as well. Yes. Yeah, so when we when we talk about smooth, of course, the Taiwan is is the one that comes to mind. But each of the three Hong Kong factories, we believe, also made a cape without a crosshatch pattern on it. So far, the Kader one has been the only one that's been confirmed and is documented on the Variant Villain website. But I believe that also Unitoy and Smile have done uh, non-zipping cape too. What is best to say, though, is please don't throw away any of your non-zipping capes. Make sure that you put it in front of an expert before you do that, because it could well be real. Yeah, absolutely. Same applies for Vader, for Tuscan. Don't think it applies to Jawa, but uh, Ben, yeah, any of the early figures, yeah, smooth capes, hang on to. Not to say that they're rare. They're not rare. They do turn up because it's been like old school. So it's not zipping, bin it. No, don't do that. Okay, let's jump across to the blaster for the Hong Kong figs. It came with a blue-black blaster. And those range from a kind of dark blue to an almost black. Each of them has a different mould. Um, all of those moulds can be found on the Variant Villain website as well. I just will mention that Unitoy and Kada have one mould. Smile has two. And the mould with the vertical line on the barrel above the clip is the latest smile mould. Brilliant mate, shall we move on to Taiwan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, take it away. It was quite a relatively short run actually. First produced on the 12A along with the other factories from Kenner, but the run was over by the end of the 21 backs. 
So you won't find a Taiwan on an ESB or a Return of the Jedi card. They're also very market specific too, aren't they? You don't tend to find like Taiwan figures in Europe, for example, uh, layers that is, you know, whereas the US, they turn up fairly frequently over there and then, all, you know, other parts of the world like Australia. All right. Okay. So, and it's the same thing again with the, the Taiwan cape in terms of the smoothness. Yeah. So the Taiwan capes are, are smooth on both sides. I would say that it's a kind of unique feel, slightly different to the Hong Kong capes. I mean, I almost describe it as a kind of satiny like texture between your fingers when you do it. Taiwan capes are a work in progress, but there are two main cape variants. The standard is the long and slim. That's the one that you normally find. I mean, there is a, another one which is shorter and fatter. Research suggests that there are others that may exist. So never, like we said earlier, never throw away a cape without talking to an expert. On to the blaster for the Taiwan figure. This is like a really dark blaster, isn't it? You can identify it by the kind of bulges on the barrel. There's also another variant. It's been affectionately coined the Beaver variant by Wolf. That was a kind of earlier blaster. Yeah. And the if you look across to Chewbacca, who was also made by Taiwan, you can see that there's this colour comparisons between his bowcaster and the layer blaster itself. And it was a theory of his, pretty plausible, that they were actually shot at the same time. So they were in the same mould itself. They would have been at different parts on the sprue tree. All right, let's jump across to the foreign. Where should we start? Should we start with Pock? Yes, yeah, sure. Like most Pock variants, there tends to be two variations for the figure. There's a two-line made in Hong Kong variation, and that's based on the Unitoy moulds. And also there's a two-line Hong Kong variation, and that's based on the Kado moulds. As the parts were shipped to Spain from the Hong Kong factories, they were then assembled in Spain and painted there. And so, like all pop figures, you can find mixed up variants. Yeah, exactly. And there's lots of little tells as well, isn't there? I mean, you know, these layer figures, and they're all very spotty. Yeah, I mean, apart from the spots which you find on the limbs, you might find a residual burr between the legs. You also get like melt marks, but they're not always present. So, it's not always a tell. I mean, perhaps the yeah. the best way really is to is to look at the paint, which is always um, specific to the pop factories. On this variant, we've got the pale hands, particularly important trait to help identify this variant. And then also the paint on the hair and the um, eyebrows and um, eyes themselves is is different as well. The pop variation based on the Unitoy figure tends to have the thicker painted apps on the eyes and the eyebrows, and it has a kind of glossy, deep black colour to the hair. And then the Kayla variation, that has the, the fin paint apps on the eyes and the eyebrows. And this time it has a kind of matte black colour for the hair. And both of those are, you know, unique to the pop figures. Yeah, no, smash them. All right. And um, yeah, as we referenced earlier, the accessories for the pop figures are essentially just kind of produced parts that were sent across. Most of the time you'll find this figure with a standard Kayla or Unitoy cape. I mean, sometimes they've been found with a cape which is kind of smooth on one side and rough textured on the other and this has been suggested that it's a POC exclusive and then with the blaster itself um, there is no POC princess layer blaster so it's just a standard Kenner. Yeah exactly all right and then let's wrap it up over to Brazil and Glassley. So the Glassley layer is family free mould it has a scar coup um, that scar coup appears more prominently than the Kenner counterpart, and that's because it was kind of shot in a more harder plastic. Apart from that, I mean, it tends to have glossier black hair 
eye and eyebrow paint apps. Yeah, she, she's got sort of this jaundiced yellowy look about. I mean, the, the, her face particularly, the, the colour pigment in the plastic is very yellowy as opposed to the more natural, you know, sort of pinkish skin tones of the Kenner figure. It's a figure that does stand out. The most striking thing about the Glassbeak figure is, of course, the, the blaster she was issued with, which is... So rather than the standard Princess Leia blaster, she was given a Jawa blaster for some reason. And this one was a, a beautiful silver Jawa blaster. Uh, it's identical to the solid black Jawa blaster that was used on the Glass Leap Han Solo figure. Like you say, it makes her stand out in the, in the collection. Aside from that, she also has a unique tapered cape. That has a very strange bulge in it. And once you've seen that, you'll never mistake that cape. Yeah, absolutely. So there we are. That's our run at Leia Organa. And I think that was a pretty damn good effort too. I think I've certainly learned something on the way. Yeah, and I need to say thank you to, to Wolf, to Tim Emerson, and also to Stephen Callier. So much of the information out there is down to their due diligence and their research. All right, Jez, over to you. Roll the hillbilly music. Mark, Jamie, thank you so much. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And that whole thing with the capes, oh my word, when you said that, it did make me wonder how many people have binned their capes thinking that they were fake ones. Absolutely brilliant. Good stuff, mate. As soon as we announced that we were going to be doing a Lear episode, everyone got in contact with us and just said, you need to get Bruce on, get Bruce White on. And it was absolutely brilliant to catch up once again with one of our favourite artists in the world, one of our favourite tattoo artists in the world, everyone's friend, who's just been in the community since the very beginning of Star Wars. It was my absolute pleasure to catch up with Bruce White. And this is the first of our two interviews. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Right, so here we are with Bruce, a gentleman of the Star Wars collecting community. Bruce, your passion seems to span Leah, Carrie, and almost all of Star Wars. But for those who don't know you, floor is yours. Who is Bruce White, and what does Star Wars, and specifically Leah, mean to you? Well, I was born in 1969, so Star Wars comes out in 77, and I'm about to turn eight. And so I'm basically primed and ready for this stuff because I've already been watching Star Trek reruns with my dad. And so this new star thing comes out, and it looks amazing. And so I beg my parents to take me to the theater. I think I already had the comic book adaptations and probably novelizations and trading cards before I even saw the movie. So I just, and of course, like any sort of nerd-obsessed kid, which, I mean, at the time, you know, it was just, it's just what we watched, what, Super Friends on Saturday morning. So you're already seeped in this pop culture stuff and Planet of the Apes reruns on television. So I'm already a big sci-fi fan. My dad enjoys it, even though he also watches Westerns, which I always thought was really strange, but whatever. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, it was something that we did together. So when Star Wars comes out, yeah, I'm ready for it. And I 
just thought it was the most amazing thing. Um, I didn't get to see it in the theater, I don't think, until early 78. Because I, and the only reason I really remember that is because my sister was born in 78. And my mom took had my infant sister at the theater at a matinee. I'm, I'm sure every adult in the theater hated us. Because every time something would explode on the screen, my sister being very small would react and i was just like no be maker be quiet i'm watching star wars it was terrible <laughs> I, I was a terrible child probably but um i so i remember that uh more in you know in the very beginning the opening shot of the ships and just literally nothing like i'd seen before you know we didn't have space battles like this i'd never seen anything like this this new fast editing it, and it was just, it was just amazing. And yeah, it took, you know, every little kid on the playground by storm, really. Let's see. I guess fast forward to Christmas of 78. Um, I was probably one of the best Christmases I had as a kid because my mom had like, had saved up in her little Christmas account at, at her local bank. And she would ordered all this stuff from the Sears catalog. And so I ended up getting uh, the Death Star playset and the Venus X-Wing fighter and the TIE fighter and a large size Vader and a bunch of loose figures, um, you know, already taken out underneath the Christmas tree. You know, Santa thought every, you know, took everything off the card for me, which in retrospect, I wish I'd had the chance to open them, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, I still have most of them, I think. Um, I, I had bought a lot of loose figures along the way over the years. I never really marked the ones I had, but I'm pretty sure I still have most of them. So, yeah, I mean, I just I just fell in love with this movie. And if, I grew up in, um, in the South, in, in rural um, uh, America, so it's... And so about uh, you know growing up on a on a farm essentially you know I could feel Luke Skywalker's sort of yearning for an adventure even you know and uh, so I re related to him as a little kid and of course I guess like everybody else you sort of there's only one girl in this story and that's Leia and so everybody I mean it's, it's not I mean it's just it's like um, women of a certain age will have a, a crush on David Bowie because of a certain fantasy movie that he was in. It's <laughs> as <laughs> um, men of a certain age have a crush on Carrie Fisher because you know they grew up and they saw and she was the only girl there. So um, yeah, and I just thought she was amazing, and uh, I always have. I didn't really collect much. When the Empire Strikes Back came out, let's see, at that point. Yeah, so you would have been about 11 then? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was about 11, and I definitely got Yoda and a lot of other, um, the Bestman figures, Bestman Luke, that was a good one, and Leia and stuff like that. But by the time Jedi rolled around, I was, you know, I was 13, 14, so I wasn't really playing with toys anymore, so I kind of stopped collecting. And I didn't really get back into collecting until, I guess, the late 90s. I was out of college and 
just starting to the toy shows and stuff. And I started recollecting some of the stuff I've had as a kid. I guess I should backtrack to, to Carrie. In, I think it was 87, 88, Carrie Fisher wrote a book called Postcards from the Edge. And I think I was working at, I was in the local grocery store at the time and saw this book on the shelf. And it had the weirdest cover. It was a very, very 1980s cover, um, sort of airbrushed illustration, um, some uh, generic young lady with very strange sunglasses on that were probably reflective or something that's very cheesy. And I thought, this Carrie Fisher, this can't be. <laughs> Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, I have not heard of this book. I, of course, this is before the internet, you know, anything. Mm. And I didn't pay attention to entertainment magazines, which now, if, if, if you look online, there's people were interviewing her about her novel because it was really well received. But it, I picked it up not knowing anything about it. And I just read it and it, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. And. Um, I didn't, the movie version at the time when it first came out, I thought it was very strange because they changed it so much from the book. But now in retrospect, it could, because Carrie wrote the script, um, just, it's also an amazing movie. And she has an amazing commentary track on that movie, Postcards from the Edge, starring Bill Street. You gotta see it. It's amazing. Shirley MacLaine, so great. Anyway. <laughs> I, I remember watching it back in the day. I, I remember it when it came out. And I think my my the only reason I went to see it was because of of Carrie's name associated with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the ending in in the book Postcards from the Edge, the um the story with Suzanne and her mother is like a quarter of a novel, and it doesn't end the same way at all. Um, it's much that relationship is is much more fleshed out and becomes the movie. So, so it's so different from the book at the time. I, well, I walked out of the movie and went, what in the hell is that? She becomes a country singer? I don't understand. <laughs> it was very, very bizarre from what, because I had read the, you know, the novel. And yes, and I just, but now watching it and realizing that so much of it was semi-autobiographical and there was some stuff that came out of fights with her and her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Now it's just, it's, you know, it, it's amazing to watch. Okay, so I must, yeah, I must go back to it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I kept up with her writing, and I just always thought it was interesting. Just, just she had this amazing wit about her. She's also, just a vulnerability, yet so strong. I mean, she was able to, she was able to make you feel like you knew her from reading her her work. Um, so when you fast forward a bit to when she starts having her struggles with mental health, you've sort of kept up with her work. You, you already know what's happening. Um, and so there's a lot more empathy there than for, I think, a lot of people. Well, I think, I think people in general have a problem giving celebrities a lot of grace because it's like, oh, you've been handed this you know you've been handed this opportunity why are you messing it up so people hesitate i think to feel sorry for you know poor little rich girl or whatever but sometimes it goes beyond that and it goes into physiology and psychology and things that we just don't understand and so it's reading her innermost thoughts makes you 
you know, realize that you know, she was a very multi-layered person and yeah, it wasn't just this one thing that defined her. I was trying to think of a quote from her. Uh, what is it? Yeah. She says, she has a, a quote, I think she's saved my weakest things in my, in my strongest voice. Um, Oh, wow. But yeah, she's just so inspiring when she's able, the way she's able to take a hold of the, of her, of her own the narrative of her life, I think is why she veered more into just straight autobiography, because I think there were, there were too many tabloid stories that were trying to intertwine the stuff that were, was fictional in with her real life. So I think it is brave and inspiring of her to, to just dive headlong into everything and to say, no, this is what's happening. This is, you know, this is what I've been going through. It's you know, X, Y, Z. She tries to tell it, you know, in a funny way. That's an, that's a great quote from her. You know, if, if my life wasn't funny, it would just be true. And that is completely unacceptable, which, yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's just incredible. And I find, I just, I just find her, strength so admirable that she can she was able to talk so freely about her mental illness and her drug addiction and just everything you know she's pretty much an open book really but then again how you know how much do you really know a person just by reading it you you feel like you do that you don't it's it's a yeah so i'm rambling (laughs) no 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 thank you ever so much for that at my point, I, I wrote down that I think she was just progressive. I think she was so ahead of her time with regards to honesty, brutal, frank honesty, uh, particularly yeah. about mental health. Yeah. An absolute yeah. trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah, she was, yeah, she was just, she was, I know, she was, she was awesome. So Christmas in the White Household, 1978, <laughs> sounds like an absolute blast. It really does. Leah was one of your first, I led to believe. Yeah, I, I, okay, I'm pretty sure I got some figures in like summer of 78 would have like my birthday is in July. So I'm pretty sure I got, like, I'm almost positive Leah and I think R2 were my first ones, if my memory is correct. Um, could be wishful thinking. I'm not sure. It would actually make sense for Leia to be my first figure because if Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and everybody else was sold out, then that would be the one that was left, the one that I got. <laughs> that would be <laughs> available in my local five and dime store. So now that I think about it, it, it makes perfect sense that, that oh yeah, nobody, nobody wanted her. I got her. <laughs> you know, um, but I think it's that's one. I was thinking about, um, I was looking at two packs the other day and because she's pretty common, the first Leia figure, relatively common for the first 12 to be in those two packs. And so I, they just overproduced her, I suppose. Mm. Um, I'm digressing. Um, yes, I already had a few loose figures 
going into Christmas. And so, yeah, and it was all, oh God, I, there's a very embarrassing, uh, they used to publish letters to Santa in the local weekly uh, town newspaper. And my mom sent one in for that Christmas. And I, Jez, I went through this year's catalog and basically listed every toy item in the toy <laughs> section in my letter to Santa. And it was published in this paper. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's the funniest thing. I wish I, we had, she had a copy for a while and I'm not sure exactly what happened to it, but it was funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> greedy, <laughs> greedy little top. Everyone um, reading it going, who's this Bruce kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, even though our family, I mean, they, my mom really saved for that Christmas because we did not have a lot of money. That's why it took me so long, I think, to go see the movie in the theater because it just was not something that my family would could do or really afford. Um, plus, there's the fact that, you know, my mom would have to take me and she was pregnant. Anyway. Um, <laughs> poor thing. And your baby sister. <laughs> I know. I know. Amazing. Come See, on, mom. Let's go. She's out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Star Wars. Oh boy. <laughs> so were you um, were you someone who played with your figures? Did you you know like you see kids in Toy Story, or were you lining them up? Did you have them all in an ice cream tub? How was it for you back then? Oh, um, I think let's see. I didn't get an action figure case for a while, so I I had one of those Hot Wheels collector's cases, and I took those trays out. You know, the uh, little Matchbox cars. Uh, I think you would hold like twenty four cars or something, and you could if you took the trays out that the cars sat in. That was my action figure box. Um, and uh, yeah, I played with them. I played with all. I never took the bigger toys outside. Because um, my mom did not, she just you're gonna you're gonna ruin those. They were very expensive. <laughs> There's back yeah. in there. But but, but uh, oh okay. But yeah, I I played with yeah my figures a lot to the point where I just I remember I destroyed Darth Vader's cape. Had to get my grandmother was um, she did uh, sewing work. She did like needlepoint for people and uh, she would she made me a little cloth cape. And I still have that somewhere. This little black scrap oh, of fabric man. tied around this guy's neck. Yeah, it looks terrible. I mean, it's but it's funny now, and it's oh, it's so very cute. sweet. Yeah. yeah. Now I want to um, I want to go back just to uh, Carrie for a second because as well as um, reading the books, uh, you've met her a couple of times. You you went oh, was it two thousand and nine the Wish for Drinking tour because yes. that was a night or an afternoon and a half. Yeah. Yeah, let's see, 2009, I found out she was doing this Broadway, she was coming to Broadway, and she was, her her show was going to be um, in New York City, in the old Studio 54 building, um, which they had turned into a theater whose name escapes me at the moment, and I just, I, I taught my partner, I, well, I I sort of just asked him and said, hey, do you want to go see Carrie Fisher? And of course he said, yes. So, <laughs> so I didn't have a bunch of arguments there. But, uh, but yeah, I originally I had booked tickets. The only thing that was available was, uh, I think, like a balcony seat. And so me being obsessive, I kept checking the website. And eventually I, they opened up tickets that were closer to um, the stage. And so we ended up, I got us front row, um, slightly stage uh, right, 
uh, seats and yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing because if you, if the, the show is actually, um, they filmed, um, one, they filmed a couple of nights in New Jersey and edited them together. So you, I think it's still on HBO and you can watch it. And there's at one point, it's the very beginning of the show. She comes out and she's throwing glitter on everyone in the front row. And so immediately it's like, Oh, I've, I've been blessed by my fairy godmother or something. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. So already the audience is in stitches and everybody's laughing and it's just, she's there to have a good time. She wants you to have a good time. It's just just an incredible powerhouse. It's, it's, amazing and there's one point in the show where she calls somebody up this part's edited out on the on the hbo version um but she asks somebody to come up and she she puts a leia wig on you and kind of makes fun of you for a good few minutes and and then and yes she you know she called for a volunteer and I somehow managed to raise my hand and got on stage with her and I'm looking down at her because she's five one and I'm not tall. I'm five eight and, and she's so little and she's holding my hands and it's just amazing. And and in my head, all I can hear is static because I'm just I'm floating on whatever and a cloud of pure serotonin because this woman who I admire for so long is standing in front of me and I cannot believe this is happening. I mean, at this point, Jez, I must say I had never been to a convention and I'd never been to quite in this sort of situation. And so to be in front of someone like that and it was just... It, it, it was almost, if I didn't have that theater of people there to witness it, I feel, almost feel like it wouldn't happen. It was such a dream. Oh, wow. um, and I'm so glad my partner was there to witness it. And he just, I got off stage cause, and, and she kisses me and then pulls me backstage. Let's take a picture. And, we both, and she's got to lay a wig on and I've got to lay a wig on. <laughs> and we take a picture and, and, uh, and then... And she's like, okay, all right, bye. So now it's, it's her cigarette break or whatever. So I'm like, I'm like, oh wow. And so the stage manager's pulling me back to the back to the theater. And uh I had some lady say, Was that stage? And I was like, Oh no, 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 that was not they made me she made me read something. Uh let's see. She had a little prepared card where um well she had it for everyone. I can't remember this. We were supposed to introduce the second part of the show. We were inter- we were we're announcing an intermission, I think. Anyway, so yeah, so she thought this lady thought it was staged. And said, oh no, that was not staged. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, and uh, and I get off the stage. Leslie's like, oh, you did so good. And I was really, as I, I don't, oh wow, I, I really don't remember it that much. It's so, it was so <laughs> bizarre. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, just ah, yeah. hearing you <laughs> tell it back now, I can only imagine what I would have been like. And as you say, yeah, pre-celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got a chance to was it celebration five? I was I got was the first celebration that we went to, which I guess was the next year. Yes, this was two thousand ten, and uh, I I got to tell her it's like we 
we went to see your show in New York. It was amazing. And uh, it's just like, really? I'm glad you loved it. And I was like, I got to go on stage. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so glad. Or she said something like, oh, that's awesome, or whatever. And, you know, signed my thing really quick and sent me on my way. But, you know, it's always funny just, just to see her. She's, yeah. And she was always a hoot, you know, to watching her press interviews. Oh my gosh. Um, did you yeah. get a memento from that night? Or did I get that wrong? Oh, from oh, from the New York show. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You yes. can go there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, um, to reward you for going on stage to help her, you know, introduce the intermission at her show, she she gives the participant, and she did this for everyone because I'd see them on eBay um, <laughs> looking for you know Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia stuff. Um, she would she would have some sort of she would. Sit, I don't know if she might have. She probably picked them out herself. Um, there was these sex novelty toys. And uh, I think someone got a uh, some sort of a, what is it, a pecker ring toss game that I, I've seen. Uh, somebody else got a book that was something about all about my vagina or, or something. Yeah, it was. And then mine was it was some blow up. Uh, what is it? It's an erotic love piggy. It's just a plastic pig that you blow up, and I assume it has orifices. I've never actually taken it out of the package. <laughs> but uh, she, she autographed it. And, uh, and when she gave that to me um, after the uh, intermission was over, you know, she she humiliates you again because she calls you up and she's like, I'm going to present, you know, thank you so much for helping me. I have a present for you. And she hands me this thing and she kisses me again. And, uh, and then I get to my seat and I'm staring at his handwriting and it takes me like uh, 10 minutes to decipher it. Cause it's so her handwriting. So loopy, <laughs> it's just almost indecipherable sometimes, but it says, um, that, that you can make it out. It says for Bruce, well, I'll just have studio 54 love Carrie Fisher. And um, yeah, oh, it's uh, outstanding. It's it's amazing. Um, so Marco Mark Rosatano's got something I can't remember what his is, but it's a similar sort of a sex theme novelty toy, and yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I read something you had written on one of the forums once about people say don't ever meet your heroes, but as far as you're concerned, pick some different heroes or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've also, I met Sigourney Weaver once very briefly and she was so sweet. So yeah, I, I just, I feel almost lucky in that, you know, I've just, Carrie just seemed, she was so much herself, you know, she was fully, you know, she did not hide anything really, you know? Um, yeah, she was great. And That's awesome. yeah. Hey, before so I want to go into the collection too much, and I'm conscious of time, but before no, I want to go into the collection too much, let's just talk about, let's forget the prequels, because mm. I, I believe you're not a massive fan of prequels. Let's just move past they're, that. They're fine. They're fine. They're, they're I've, I've made, uh, yeah, I just... Yeah, people seem to uh, make I, peace with them, don't they now? People seem to... Yeah, I mean, I enjoy parts of them. I, yeah. I, 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 it's what I'm finding myself having to do with a lot of the newer uh, stuff is it's like I like parts of it um, 
in my head, I'm I'm editing everything down so that maybe this Obi Wan show wasn't eight episodes. <laughs> I just thought that <laughs> right. was a bit long. Okay. Um, yeah. But let's talk. Princess Leia coming back, or General Leia coming back. So, yeah, mm. 2015, Force Awakens. What are your thoughts? I mean, I was super excited. I think we all were super excited. I, in retrospect, I wish they had gone in with a, a different plan a different story altogether to somehow have Harrison, Mark and Carrie together mm. in that movie. Um, I don't know how they would have done it, but in retrospect, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. You know? At the time, I mean, I, and I still do. I enjoy, I enjoy the first one. You know, it's fun. It's, it's, it is, it's very derivative of, you know, a new hope. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, George stole from himself. It, he repeated themes. You know, it's like poetry, it rhymes, that thing, whatever. Um, but I, I enjoyed The Force Awakens a lot. And I you know, wish he was in it more. Um, I don't like that outfit. <laughs> she uh carrie called it the uh, sassy gas station attendant outfit so i don't think she liked it very much either uh god i look at um i've been watching andor and i see um genevieve o'reilly and all the dresses she's in and i'm like jj you could have ah you could have given yeah. us something so beautiful you know she was royalty yes she was a general i get it she's at war but yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I enjoyed Force Awakens a lot and I saw it in the theater, I think 10 times. I just, I, I really yeah. liked it and I loved it. And, um, absolutely. when the last Jedi came out, so excited for that. And you know, then she, then she passes away. And so, Immediately, this movie became something. It became an immemorium, and they didn't even know that they were making it, which is which is so bizarre. Because when I'm watching this, watching the scene in the Last Jedi with Mark talking with Luke talking to Leia about Han and saying no one's ever really gone, the first time I saw that movie. Um, that scene just wrecked me and she and her and Mark are so good in that, in that scene on crate. It's just, it's incredible. It's one of the best things in star Wars. It's one of the best written, one of the best acted staged film scenes in the entire saga. And it bothers me that so many people hate this movie so much. I don't, I truly don't understand. I, I I do understand to a point, but oh my god, there's so much beauty here. I just I, I can't I cannot throw out this this baby with this bathwater. It's just my god. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was an amazing movie, and that honestly, that movie became so divisive with the fandom that. I, 
I truly did not know what was happening because I saw what I, it's just something so amazing. And everyone else is so focused, I think overly so, on the fact that Luke Skywalker wasn't their Luke Skywalker. And I mean, 40 years changes anyone. If the characters don't change, then this becomes stagnant and we're not, we're, we're telling the same stories over and over. And I, I, I understand the people, I understand the people who, who want to see Luke Skywalker as this pure white knight paragon of, you know, of, of goodness and, and the good of the force, but humans are flawed and the greatest teacher failure is, you know, is when Yoda tells Luke that at the end of the last Jedi. I mean, it's an amazing film and it got so much. And I think part of me just retreated from the fandom just a little bit because it it got so vitriolic where it was just, it's like, you couldn't say anything positive about this movie with somebody coming on to say, I mean, just freely, just you're just, and, and it's, what what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we, yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like yeah. I mean, we people got really upset when the prequels came out, and I was maybe one of those people, but I don't remember jumping on anybody like that. I mean, I had some good fiery conversations with friends, but this was just something. I mean, I think the prequels are. Um, not protected, but they're almost they're almost fan proof because George did them. You know, there's there's really yeah. it's like this is George's canon. You know, bah, you know, and it, it ends there. So you can't. There, there's only so much you can argue with about the prequels not being Star Wars. But and everybody now, after the Last Jedi, oh, this is not this is not Star Wars, and and Ryan Johnson ruined it, ruined Johnson, and I was oh my god, guys, yeah. It's a movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I remember. No, mate, uh, it's cool. I remember having, I know, putting quite, I was usually like the mild-mannered janitor on some of the forums. And when people were really, really kicking off, I'm like, right, rolls up sleeves. This is what I think. I was becoming them. But in a defensive posture, I was like, you know, you're you're arguing that this isn't Star Wars because it's not George. But are you saying that any film made by Disney in the last 50 years isn't Disney because Walt wasn't involved and and all the latest James Bond films I mean Ian Fleming died years ago you know what's what's? Bond films after random novellas that Ian Fleming did (laughs) oh my god ridiculous uh, yeah Uh, I I was um, I was in the same I'm in the same place as you unfortunately I could be one of those memes where you know when people say what is it what's it like just to like everything about Star Wars? And I'm like, it's yeah. a simple life. That That's me. Yeah. I, I generally try to see uh, the positives in all of it. And I think Last Jedi is a beautifully shot film. Uh, very. Yeah. It's, it's just it has so, uh, oh God, pushing. every setup, every scene, every, every shot of Leia on crate when she's waiting for the ship to arrive and, with her mm. standing in the, in the well, not snow, I guess it would be blowing salt or whatever, salt. with that cloak 
um yeah it was just, oh, just so you, you're beautiful. picturing you're picturing the half collar thing aren't you the yeah the collar yeah. which came sort of half around her neck yeah yeah great. Mm-hmm. and she's just it. peering over and it's just a shot with her eyes and she looks so young there and um it's funny there's um there, there there was a book that came out um before the last jedi it was just part of you know lucasfilm's uh canon um I think there was two. There was one that was Prince uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is about Leia when she was a teenager. And she, in fact, she, as a teenager, went to Crate to um, for this uh, supply mission or something. And she ends up on the court in during the course of this book. She um, she kind of has this crush on this boy because she's a teenager and. And he's also a little, maybe a couple years older, and and he's having a crush on her, and he's unwittingly helping. He's he's not. Let's see, I I can't remember how the story exactly goes, but she's not using him to help the rebellion, but um, he's kind of reluctantly trying to get off this planet where they've crashed, and she has her own, you know, agenda, and he just wants to get home, but he ends up getting killed on crate. And so there's actually a little bit of a backstory for Leia. As Leia's there, you know, her character had lost a friend of hers years ago there on that planet. There's also another great book that, um, that came out um, right before Last Jedi called Bloodlines, um, which is by Claudia Gray. And in it, it's, uh, it's set right before The Last Jedi, and there's an, she's General Leia, and um, Ben Solo's off... Um, uh, I think he's already Kylo Ren at this point. Um, yeah. So Leia survives an assassination attempt, and all this, and all this intrigue is happening. It's a great book, and there's this one scene. Um, there was a flashback where, in the book, Leia is remembering um, when she first met Tarkin, because she's recalling this Imperial. She's talking to some Imperial person. The description that Claudia Gray uses is that um, that Princess Leia, when she's talking to Tarkin, decided to m- mimic his accent as she's talking to him because she hated the patrician way that Tarkin talked. So that it it actually makes an explanation for Carrie Fisher having a British accent when she's talking to Tarkin in A New oh, Hope. Yeah. It is the most brilliant little thing. And just a brilliant little nugget of a of a flashback in this story that that this author came up with to explain <laughs> this thing that Carrie did because because Carrie went to um, she studied acting in Britain and so she went to the school of speech and drama and so I, she said whenever she got in front of uh, of Tarkin she would end up talking uh, she would end up speaking British when she, <laughs> for, for re- reasons. And uh, but Claudia explains it away like that, and I thought, oh, that's so brilliant. This is like she that supposedly she did that on, on purpose. I'm on a tangent here, Jazz. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I'm I'm all good with tangents. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Final thing we'll we'll do before we go into the collection and look at the time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm good. If, as if long you got as you time, are. I've got time. I'm truly wonderful. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Okay. I don't so, get to talk about Star Wars very often, especially not collecting. No. And, you know, I'll, 
this is a great thing which I love about doing this just you know getting to listen to different people's stories and memories and thoughts on, on our galaxy yeah. far far away it's brilliant there is one thing I'd like to ask you about tv shows I know you kind of hinted at Kenobi we don't need to go into all all of the different things but what about I, I enjoy Kenobi I just thought it was too long what about young Vivian Lyra Blair I thought she was adorable um, I thought she had just the right amount of sass. I, I liked the lines that she got to deliver. Um, I understand how some people kind of got mad because how could this six-year-old girl run out, outrun these guys in the woods? And, and secretly I'm going, she's using the force. Shut up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I can explain it away just as easily as anybody else. I mean, if you really want to, you know, Go there. I, I I thought she was fun. I I, I enjoyed it, and yeah. I hope to see a little more of her in the in the second season if they make if it sounds like they're going to do one. I was afraid they were going to try to put Princess Leia in this in Andor, but it does not look like that is going to happen. No, it doesn't, does it? Yeah, Tony Gilroy had almost no interest in uh, Easter eggs. It seems it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. No, I'm. Loving Andor, as I said, I, I seem to like most things, but Vivian Lyra Blair, I didn't see that coming. I, I thought it was going to be about Luke. So when we had that opening episode, uh, I was delighted with it, but I thought I thought she was adorable, and I particularly loved that last scene between her and Ewan, between Leah and Ben. I thought yeah. it was really touching, really, yeah. really well done. So now I, I was chuffed yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of be it's kind of be wild for for Ewan because it, he and Carrie became good friends, um, but through him being in the prequels and them knocking around Hollywood, they they knew each other, and uh, so that's got to be interesting for him as a as a as a friend of Carrie's, yeah. you know, playing opposite someone who's trying to who was essentially a younger version. That's that's got to be something. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought she was awesome. Bruce, mate, oh, it's just so lovely to, uh, to chat with you about Carrie. And I know that we're going to catch up later on and talk all about the actual collection of yours. But yeah, some amazing carry memories. And uh, thank you ever so much for sharing that with us. So lads, that's really got me in a Carrie Fisher mood. You know, we've spoken about the character Princess Leah Organa, but what about your interactions? Craig, I know that you've been to so many celebrations. Stu, you've got a, a really good little tale which you'll share with us. Carrie Fisher, discuss. So I've got two little carry stories which i can share i mean i i first met her well i didn't meet her and that's the thing that was that's that's the regret really so she came to the uk and i think it was around 2004 2003 possibly she came to milton Keynes collector mania event and it was the first time i'd ever seen her announced as as, as attending a, a uk event so i i made sure i was there and the experience wasn't great. It was, you know, we we, we queued up. Um, we had to put our name on a little post-it note. The post-it note got handed to her. She wrote this thing. And it's almost like you got 
the the image that you you, you were getting signed passed to you and I, and I made a point of stopping and waving you know to just to acknowledge that, that that she'd done it for me but it was a bit of a shame you know and, and then you hear you know people's tales of of how gracious she was with her time meeting fans and and you know telling stories and being cheeky and writing amusing uh, amusing things on on um, on photos for people and I was always a little bit jealous of that that I never got to kind of experience that kind of one-on-one moment that lots of other people did. But I did have a little exchange with her in Essen. Celebration Europe in Essen was very different from a lot of the celebrations. Uh, now, you know, you could wander into the hall and find a spot and there was no sleeping overnight or wristbands or lotteries or things like that. And she did a panel in the big hall at Essen. And one of the things you could do is you could tweet messages to her. And I'd arranged with a with a tattoo artist last minute to get a, a, a Leah tattoo, and it was all a bit all a bit rushed and a little bit vague. But it was it was due to take place on the on the Sunday, and I think this was on the Saturday. And I tweeted this message with the hashtag "Having you tattooed on my arm in the morning, bit scared. Will you hold my hand?" And Warwick Davis, who was hosting the the, the panel read this out you know, it appeared on the big screen behind Carrie Fisher and he read this tweet out and and she was you know amused by it and she said yeah sure sure I'll come and hold your hand and you can hear me on the there's a little bit of video footage this one voice going yeah <laughs> and I remember being so excited and 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 think well how do I make that happen you know I'm in this crowd she's there there's all the kind of security and backstage and all this kind of thing but I was I was sort of very excited to try and see if this thing could take place have this little moment um, and I ran down to the to the tattoo guy very sweaty and very excited and he said oh I'm I'm doing this big back piece and it's running over um, and I'm not gonna have time to fit you in so I had to kind of <laughs> skulk off and um, but I have the memory and I have the little bit of footage it was quite sweet two things i was there then i remember that and, and that was just part of the whole celebration experience. You know, I've, I've seen it where other collectors from the community have been on stage and battled with Carrie and, you know, Wicket and all that. But I remember that moment. Absolutely. But, I mean, for, for, that, <laughs> for that tattoo artist not to see the opportunity of a photo op, sort of gift yeah. horse in the mouth, sex on a plate, no thanks. I was crestfallen. Oh, yes. Correct choice of, of, of uh, if there was any type of crest, it was crestfallen there. Yeah. Oh, my word. But there oh, you go. It's the tale to tell. Yeah. Stuart, you've recently had some good news, haven't you, mate? Well, first of all, Jess, you were just you just corrected me in the intro saying kind of like, oh, you, you're getting your, your layers and your carries <laughs> blurred then. And you just went, it's like when you get up on stage and you're with Carrie and Wicket. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What? What? Uh, what right. First of all, because she was Carrie, and then you had someone dressed as Wicket. That's what I meant in my mind. <laughs> oh, right. I, I just but... assumed Warwick Davis was interviewing her. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 put on a Wicket 
headdress, I think, or something, and he had a <laughs> stick. But there we go. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think actually you recently um shared that bit of video with us. I think you've got that yeah. one video as well. He, do you know what? It's something which they did every celebration from, from what I had seen from Essen until the uh, celebration, um, not long after or in, until her last celebration. It, it was their thing. They always did that. But yeah. But you, you've got some. A nice yeah. Level. So, I mean, we've just mentioned when we went to Fax in 2018, but um, when I was part of the Vintage Rebellion, I mean, we hadn't long been going. I think, I think this was only like six shows in, but as our team then, we also went over to Fax at that point. And I was with Grant and Richard and Peter were still on TVR now. And the four of us, uh, we had this great little weekend away, little road trip. But Carrie Fisher was going to be there on the Sunday. And in those days, you didn't get a ticket to, to go and get an autograph. You, you queued. So we'd, we'd gone there on the Saturday and we got out in the evening. And on the Sunday, Carrie Fisher was at um, Ghent. I hadn't met uh, at Fax and I hadn't met her. And Pete was obviously a big Leia fan. So the two of us got in this queue and that is where we spent our Sunday. On arrival, we saw Carrie Fisher outside having a cigarette. Little did I know that was going to be the... Uh, basically the process of the day and we queued up and about every 10 autographs the line just stopped she went off for a 20 minute smoke and it, it was like that all day but eventually I get to the front uh, with Pete and I mean she was lovely and I, I said to her do you know what you, you were my first true love and uh, she was like oh that's brilliant she goes who's your who's your true love now and I pointed to a massive hefty security guard next to him and went, oh, this, this chap here. And he just glared at me. I've got a photo of him, um, Craig, you'd be pleased to know, for the enhanced security guard. He just glared at me. And she signed this photo to Stuart, love Carrie, your first true love, kiss, kiss, kiss. I thought, brilliant. I've met Carrie Fisher. I just got back into collecting. I'd been picking up a few signed photos, came away, thought, brilliant. Travelled home. I think I got about five signed photos that weekend. Put four of them into slips thought no Carrie Fisher I need to get a proper proper folder or something to keep it in so I put it inside a book we had a bookcase in the lounge in those days months went past the books changed my wife's a massive one for to down go have a sort out and take loads of stuff to the charity shop and uh, one day I thought I'll get to find my Carrie Fisher went through every book in the lounge couldn't find it went through all the books that were in storage could not find this thing and I thought oh, perhaps it's out in my garage because my garage was a mess in those days and as we sorted it out, never came across this, um, never came across this photo. And that's eight years ago, you know, and I kind of put it aside and thought, you know what, that's gone to a charity shop and someone has got my photo of Leia and Carrie Fisher. And I'm, ne I'm never going to see that again. So fast forward two weeks ago on a Sunday, sitting in the garage with a pile of supplements, pull out supplements from Sunday papers of the special editions and I come across this this comic. Now, Tim Vakehoven, who is from Belgium, and I'd interviewed him on, on TVR about a month before we went to Fax. I went and met him, and he gave me this magazine. He runs the TK fan club, and he gave me this uh, magazine for their monthly thing. Sitting there, came across this magazine in this pile, opened it up, and there is my layer photo looking back at me and i was like i messaged jez and got i was like you're not gonna believe what i've just found as a, as a do you know what there was nothing better i could have found in the in my in my um whole collecting life it was just 
amazing to see it. It was a, a brilliant. I can't. I need to do something with it now. It's still in that magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't believe I found it after eight years, in which I thought was five years ago. I think I'd written it off. That was never to be seen again. But uh, I have it. Wonderful. Mate, that is such such a good story. I could just, you know, be with you for your highs, your low, your <laughs> just resignation and your utter high again. The utter high probably being more than the high you got when you got the autograph. Mm. Be- because quite clearly, you, Carrie was there, you know, and, and, and now having gone... And you think, I had that autograph. I've now lost that autograph. I'm never going to get that opportunity again. It, the, you know, there might be a slight chance that whoever finds it is called Stuart. That would be the coincidence of all coincidences. A Stuart who is also a Star Wars fan. But you've got it. It's, yeah. it's in your collection. And, mate, we're, you know, delighted for you. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, well done. Which photo did you get signed? It's um, the top half of her in a slave outfit, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what was really nice, though, as well? When I was younger, um, I'm talking really young. uh, I used to do drama at school. And Peter Cushing, who lived in Whitstable, he came through to my school and came to one of our drama lessons. And I got to meet him and get his autograph. And the same year, I also met Kenny Baker. This This must be about 93, 94, maybe and i haven't seen those signed photos either and i have found the kenny baker ones so it does i found the kenny baker ones the same day i found the layer so i know that peter cushing cannot be too far away and then i'll have those back as well and and obviously they've all passed so to be finding them is quite it's quite good so you see all those uh, all those dressing up tiktok unboxings make sense now that i know you did drama my best gcse result great (laughs) brilliant yeah well guys yeah that's that's carrie fisher princess leah that that's our carrie fisher now now's an ideal time we've spoken with david we've had the variant villains we've spoken with bruce so i think it's time to pull stumps on this particular chapter of the podcast we'll take a break And we'll come back with part two in just a few days' time. So join us for Those Old Fossils, episode 19, to be released in a few days. So keep an eye out for Those Old Fossils, episode 19, where we're going to be going back to Bruce. We're hanging around with the variant villains to cover off Leah Endor, And we're also going to be speaking with Ron Salvatore, who's going to be dropping bombs all over the place, talking about Leah Bespin. It's a great episode coming up in just a few days, episode 19. But until then, we are Generation Skywalker. All eras, all passions, all Star Wars.